the Seattle Opera Podcast. Hi, opera-loving podcast listeners. It's Jonathan Dean, proud member of Seattle Opera's bike-to-work team, The Ring Cyclers. Today, I've got a podcast introducing La Cenerentola. Please subscribe to our Seattle Opera podcast and rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you like to listen. Okay, La Cenerentola. Well, that opera's name is hard to say if you're American. Let's try again. La Cenerentola. It's a brilliant opera full of dazzling music. La Cenerentola tells a beloved story, one better known to English speakers as Cinderella. That folktale belongs to the entire world. This version is as Italian as possible. One of the greatest operas by Gioacchino Rossini, whose Barber of Seville is probably opera's most beloved comedy. Musically, they're very similar, so if you enjoy the bravura singing and bubbly orchestra of the barber, you're bound to enjoy Cenerentola. By way of introducing La Cenerentola, it's almost easier to tell you what it's not than what it is. It's not the Cinderella you know from Walt Disney, with a fairy godmother and a pumpkin that turns into a magic carriage and a glass slipper and an impossibly idealized female lead. This story is much more about human behavior. More on that in a minute. And although musically they are similar, the humor in La Cenerentola isn't quite so anarchic or so juvenile as The Barber of Seville. Unlike that opera, in this one, the hero and heroine actually get to sing a love duet. There's an adorable meet-cute scene for Cinderella and her prince. He's disguised as a servant because he wants to find a woman who loves him for himself and not for his money. It's love-at-first-sight Italian style, where it's both super sexy and sweetly innocent. Imagine two young Italians discovering each other olive-skinned adolescents with lots of dark hair, and it's hard to tell which body is male and which female. I think that's why Rossini casts them with Don Ramiro, the prince, a high tenor, and Cenerentola, a mezzo. Technically, at the first performance, a contralto. Their voices overlap just as their bodies do. Cinderella is one of the world's most beloved fairy tales because everybody can relate to the heroine's experience. She's a sweet and lovely person, mistreated and underappreciated by those around her who go out of their way to make her life hell, and at the end of the story she exchanges hell for heaven. Her value is recognized, love enters her life, and everything is great. Rossini takes this story very seriously by never giving his Cenerentola comic music. Unlike everybody else in the cast, everything she does and says is serious. 
Here she is at her most anguished, wondering why it's her fate always to be forgotten, forever left behind in the ashes. And here she is at the very end of the story, earning her happy ever after with a magnificent act of forgiveness, embracing her wicked family and assuring them that in spite of everything, she still loves them. She's almost too good to be true. But that's fairy tales for you. And always remember, that's serious opera in Italy before the Romantics. This opera was composed in 1817. Audiences back then didn't expect opera characters to show much depth. Cinderella's prince is a bit more three-dimensional. He's disguised as a servant for that meet-cute scene because he's clever enough to understand that all that is gold does not glitter. Romero's worst nightmare would be marrying someone like one of Cenerentola's stepsisters, superficial creatures who are only about vanity and show. His ruse exposes them brilliantly. Meanwhile, he loses his heart to Cenerentola. Here he is, mad with love for the mysterious beauty who has crashed his ball. <laughs> He is a passionate young man. His fury with how Cenerentola has been treated all her life blazes just as brightly as his love. Now, the prince in this version of the story has a wacky sidekick. That's Dandini, who's a terrific character, sung by the same madcap baritones who excel at Rossini's Figaro. I think with Dandini, Rossini wrote himself into this opera. Here's Dandini pretending to be the prince while the prince is pretending to be the servant. He's wooing Cenerentola's wicked sisters with outrageously over-the-top princely lines. (laughs) 
What's so great about Dandini is how he gets to break the fourth wall, making sarcastic comments to the audience and mocking all the other characters, both the good and the wicked. Here's one of my favorite such moments. Prince Romero has just thrown the wicked stepsister's words back in their faces, and Dandini turns to the audience and tells us the prince is like a tennis player returning a serve. Now, the human story of La Tenerentola was not to the taste of Rossini's first biographer, the great French novelist Stendhal. In 1824, Stendhal wrote of this opera, The music, beautiful though it is, lacks idealism. Like all modern theater, it drags everything down to the petty hurts and pettier triumphs of snobbishness, of appearing at a ball in faultless evening dress, a subject I find utterly nauseating. Stendhal is quite right that the main crime in this opera is vanity, but it's a slippery slope from vanity to pride, which in Catholic theology is the deadliest of the seven deadly sins. Rossini's music isn't too severe on Clorinda and Tisby, Cenerentola's wicked stepsisters, their shallow airheads, not really clever enough to be dangerously evil. Here they are ordering Cenerentola about at the beginning of the opera. Their father, however, is another story. In La Cenerentola, Cinderella doesn't have a stepmother. Instead, she has a stepfather, Don Magnifico, a genuinely appalling person, a villain that only an Italian could create. Magnifico is monstrously pompous, foolish, corrupt, and cruel. Here he is abusing and insulting Cenerentola. <laughs> Don Magnifico's only goal in life is to spread his name and his seed far and wide. Listen to his little happy dance when he's fantasizing about how many royal grandchildren he'll have once Don Ramiro weds one of his daughters. (laughs) 
Luckily, this story balances Cenerentola's wicked stepfather with not a fairy godmother, but a benevolent, avuncular character, the prince's tutor, Alidoro. He masterminds the plot. He discovers Cenerentola's goodness, sets up the meet-cute scene, and later gives Cenerentola a gorgeous gown and takes her to the ball when her stepfather locks her up at home. If Dandini is Rossini himself with his wicked sense of humor, Alidoro is, I think, Rossini's idea of a benevolent god who wants us all to find our happy ending. That's the point of Alidoro's aria, one of the most challenging, serious coloratura arias you'll ever hear sung by a bass. As you've heard by now, all the roles in this opera call for opera singers at the very top of their game. Bel canto operas set up the performers almost like sports stars. There will be moments where not only is the story not advancing, the singer is not even embodying the character anymore. They're just wowing you with their voice. It's what I like to call the don't try this at home, folks, school of singing. That's coloratura, the style of singing where you have lots and lots of notes for every word. There's one other style of singing you'll hear all the time in Rossini comedies, and that's patter, where there's lots and lots of words and the voice scampers very lightly and quickly, like the pattering of raindrops. (laughs) ¶¶ 
There's Romero and Dandini, fake prince and fake valet, urging each other to shut up with the words titi titi piano piano, meaning hush, hush, quiet, quiet. That's almost an obligatory scene in every Italian comic opera. There's always a titi titi number. A couple other standard scenes. Rossini loved to compose storm music, so there's a storm in Act 2. This time it's actually part of the plot. Rossini is perhaps best known for what's called the Rossini Crescendo, which gets louder and louder, step by step, over the course of a minute or two of music. It makes a wonderful ending to any big ensemble. Here's how Rossini climaxes Act One. La Cenerentola may not be as familiar as The Barber of Seville, or as iconic as Disney's Cinderella, but it is a great masterpiece, and I hope you'll enjoy it as much as I do. Thanks for listening to our La Cenerentola 101 podcast. The Seattle Opera Podcast is a co-production of Seattle Opera and King FM. Find more episodes at your favorite podcast provider, or at seattleopera.org or king.org. Musical examples from Seattle Opera's 1996 and 2013 archival recordings of La Cenarentola. The singers included Laura Polverelli and Karin Mushegian as Cenarentola, Gregory Kundi and Edgardo Rocha as Ramiro, Robert Orth and Brett Poligato as Dandini, Jan Opelach and Arthur Woodley as Alidoro, Louise Marley and Sarah Larson as Tisby, Sally Wolf and Dana Punt as Clorinda, Julian Patrick and Patrick Carfitzi as Don Magnifico, and the Chorus and Orchestra of Seattle Opera, conducted in 1996 by Eva Bell and in 2013 by Giacomo Sacripanti in his Seattle Opera debut. A special musical example of Kate Lindsay singing Generentilus Rondo at 2014's Spate Gala, conducted by Carlo Montanaro. <laughs>